On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, we are talking about the unfortunate spin-off effects of COVID. And we're not talking about the illness itself. It's the fact that some people are so scared of getting COVID that they're not going to the hospital and to the doctor to get other things looked at that are really, really important. Dr. Barry Lum, Physician-in-Chief for Hamilton Health Sciences, joins us. We're talking about this news that the CFL and XFL are in talks to merge or work together or something. We don't really know what yet. It's a big, big story for the CFL. We'll be talking about that one. And Carolyn Wilbrink and Billy Pearson, co-hosts, Hamilton-based co-hosts of Farmhouse Facelift on HGTV, join us to talk about a number of things, including how do you get your own HGTV show anyway? Stick around. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. I'm assuming most of you are familiar with Newton's third law. You know, the one that goes for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. You've heard of that one before, right? Of course you have. Well, it usually applies to physics, to moving objects, but apparently in some ways it can apply to human behavior as well, because we are now learning, it seems anyway, that people's fear of COVID and their desire to stay home and particularly to stay away from hospitals where there are sick people, we know that. Well, it's led to a troubling number of people missing follow-up appointments for potentially positive cancer screening tests. So what we've got then, if you follow the logic, is you have people who need treatment or need to be looked at because they may well be sick. They may already be sick with a serious, potentially serious illness, they're, they, they are staying away from these treatments for fear of getting sick. It's the opposite, I guess, of the bird in the hand thing. Um, this isn't an argument that COVID is fake or anything like that. It is a jolt of proof that there can be unintended consequences of even good plans. Dr. Barry Lum is the physician-in-chief chief for Hamilton Health Sciences. He joins us now. Dr. Lum, thanks for doing this today. Very much appreciate it. Thanks, Scott. I appreciate the opportunity. We um, we heard that this could be a concern back when COVID started, that people might avoid doctor's offices or avoid hospitals. But I had always, when I heard that at first, I thought, well, that'll be for minor things. Someone won't go because they have a sore throat. We'll see those stupid things that people sometimes show up at emergency for drop down. I'm kind of shocked to hear now that we're getting people who have potentially very, very serious things not showing up for appointments. Yeah, unfortunately, it's really true. And, uh, you know, I think we all kind of know that uh, the impact of COVID will be the tragedy of the people who die of, of the infection or the complications of the infection. But uh, we're going to see the tail end of this go on for a long time as uh, uh, people who have avoided us uh, come, you know, finally find their way to care. And, and hopefully we get them early enough, but we might not. And that's kind of scary. Well, and, and as I said, as I was leading into this, it, it seems um, it, it seems odd in a sense. And I mean, who can judge how people's thinking is? But it seems odd that you would avoid getting treatment for something that is clearly something you need treatment for to prevent getting something that you could get down the road. It, it seems almost backwards. I suppose we can understand that people would be scared, but it seems like backwards thinking. 
It does, and you know it's it's a it's a, a two edged sword. You know, people are being told to stay home, and and uh, they every morning they they hear the news about how many patients there are and how many people uh, are in hospital, and then they hear about outbreaks, and so they're justifiably fearful. But but here's the the real truth: is the hospitals are actually remarkably safe. Uh, the areas of the hospital that are affected with these outbreaks are not where people go for their routine investigations, and and the the level of PPE and precautions that we follow for these ambulatory visits or procedures and so on is really uh, state of the art, and uh, we we want people to feel comfortable that they can come to us and let let us take care of them when they need it. Now, your your involvement in this, where you first came into this, you're, you're someone who has worked, we've had you on the show before about colorectal cancers, and, and I suppose it's saying the obvious, but in this case, it seems maybe that's necessary. Uh, these things are no joke. I mean, if you miss these appointments for a follow-up after a potentially positive test, a fecal test or whatever, uh, these are no joke. What could happen? No, you're so right. Um you know, this new uh, poop test that came along uh, called FIT, or F-I-T, uh, is, has been a game changer. And so if, if you choose to do the test through your family doctor and you do it at home, you don't have to go to the hospital for that part, and you get a positive, uh, you know, somewhere between 8 and 10 out of 100 people who have one of those tests positive are going to have cancer. And about four out of ten are going to have a growth in their bowel that, if left alone, could become cancer. So it's it's an exceptionally great opportunity to find something early, either remove it or deal with it surgically if needed, uh, and prevent them coming along at a late stage when, you know, we're not going to be able to be cured necessarily. And what I what I really found odd about this is if you were you can as you said you do these at home and they don't take a great deal of effort and they're not all that messy or anything else but if you're going to take the time and the effort to do this at home and send it in if it comes back positive why are you doing that if you're not even going to go and get checked out for it it seems like a complete waste of time then if you don't if you if you don't care don't do it in the first place yeah and you're so, I mean you're exactly right and and. I don't know whether that's because they're not um, hearing the right instructions when they get the test, that it says like how important it is to respond if, if they get a positive. We want people, if they have a positive test, to be uh, uh, examined by a colonoscopy in, in eight weeks or less from the day they get the positive because we know uh, as we wait longer and longer and longer, the likelihood their cancer, if they have one, uh, will progress is greater, or what was a benign polyp will become malignant. So it's it's a it's a tremendous opportunity. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Doctor, I have to assume again. I know this is your area of expertise, but I have to assume you're probably talking to other doctors in the hospital. If this is happening with colorectal cancers, I have to. I find it hard to believe the same wouldn't be happening with other forms of cancer as well. You're, you're right, uh, Scott, and, and you know, we hear this um, not even just in cancer. It's in other very you know, serious conditions, uh, poorly controlled diabetes, heart failure. It goes on and on, um, but certainly our surgeons are very aware that uh, they, 
you know, they thought things had dropped temporarily because of uh, COVID, but it's not come back. Uh, and um, so they're very worried. And, and when they do see people, they're seeing them in a more advanced stage. And, and it's it's um, it's uh, colon cancer, it's breast cancer, it's cervical cancer, and it's all the other types of cancer out there that people are avoiding coming to the to their doctor about. And, and again, not to be too preachy, and I, don't, I really don't mean to, um, but these things aren't going to suddenly go away once COVID is done. I mean, when COVID is done, you're still going to see these people, except it's going to be a far, far worse situation to deal with. Yeah, and there's been lots of work done by Cancer Care Ontario and other agencies looking at projections for, you know, how long it's going to take to catch up, uh, not just on simple surgeries, but as these things start to become apparent, um, it, it will take probably years uh, before we fully catch up on people who have, have not been uh, taking care of themselves. I mentioned, uh, as we were coming in from this break, I mentioned that we're seeing the numbers. Do we have any idea how often this is now happening, that people are missing these appointments? Yeah, so I can give you a a, a specific example related to the colon cancer issue. Um, As of a a couple of weeks ago, we had 108 people at Hamilton Health Sciences and over 400 in our region, uh, which includes Niagara, Brantford, Burlington, who have not come uh, for their fit test, uh, fit colonoscopy test. Uh, so that's 400 in our region, and of course that's just a small part of Ontario. And if you do the arithmetic, that means you know there's a lot of people out there, uh, you know maybe as many as 40 or 50 people just in our region who have an undiagnosed cancer in their colon. But what about? I mean, let's be um, understanding, perhaps, even though, you know, you want them in there. Is there an understanding of the fear of COVID? Is there any reason why it would be advantageous not to? If you are, if you potentially already have a cancer, is your immune system not weakened so that it really would be bad for you to get COVID so that you really should stay away for a while? You know, I think I think that's a reasonable uh, question for people to ask, and and you have to to weigh the risks and the benefits the way we all do. Uh, what's the risk of of having an advanced cancer versus a, a much smaller risk of of catching COVID in a circumstance where we're being as vigilant as we can? And you know, for me, the equation's pretty clear. Um, I'd, I would really not want somebody to say, "Boy, we wish she'd seen you six months ago. Uh, your cancer." Uh, wouldn't be as advanced. Uh, have you had to have that discussion? Have you had to tell somebody that? Yes, a number of and, times. Uh, and what's the response? Um, I'm I'm sorry, I'm just not prepared to come. And uh, that's, you know, you can change people's minds some of the time, but often once they get to that stage, it doesn't matter how you explain it, uh, and we'll just keep calling. <laughs> you know? Have you had to uh, tell... Whether by COVID or other reasons, have you had, I'm sure you've had to have the discussion with people at times that you are dying now, and if you had come to see us earlier, we might have been able to, to prevent that. Is that, a, is that a fair comment, that you've had that conversation? Yeah, I, 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 I honestly, I don't like to, to make people in the time of devastation with a new diagnosis of cancer um, feel terribly guilty or, or make family members feel guilty, so... You know, I, I, I would ca- casually perhaps say that I'm, I'm really sorry we didn't see you sooner, but uh, applying a whole guilt uh, scenario on top of that when they're in the midst of something as devastating as cancer I, I doesn't doesn't really uh, help. Oh, and that's, you know what, that's good bedside manner. And, and, and I suppose I was more thinking in your, and I didn't express myself very well, so that's my fault, that in your mind you're thinking if I'd seen you earlier, oh. this would not have been an issue. 
there there you go now that's that's not in doubt absolutely for sure uh you know we say to our our we say to the nurse in in the room or the eyebrows go up or you know we are all feel this that like if only we'd had the chance be earlier no question about it very quickly we only have about 30 seconds left here uh we did hear reports early on in covid that there were areas of the hospital that were being set aside for covid and as a result there were not surgeries being done was that accurate is, is that something that has been an issue as well that we've had people who have not been able to get cancer surgeries so in the very early days of covid uh we uh, dramatically cut back on our surgery in general but i can tell you at hamilton health sciences for example we did not miss any operations for cancer uh once it was diagnosed uh, the, our surgeons and the administration were fantastic to make sure people uh with a, with a malignant diagnosis got treated properly and that implies at the Cancer Centre for their chemotherapy and radiation as well. Dr. Barry Lum, the Physician-in-Chief with Hamilton Health Sciences, um, please l- listen to his advice. If, if you have some reason uh, to go and get checked, especially for cancers or things, don't, um, don't not do it. It's not, it, does, it does not sound, doctor, like it's worth it. No, and I really appreciate the opportunity to, to get the message out, Scott. Thank you. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. I was a little dozy this morning and then all of a sudden I get this press release that lands in my inbox and my eyeballs almost bugged out of my head and suddenly I was very much awake. Giant headlines, all capital letters. CFL to explore opportunities for alignment with XFL. Huh? What? All right. Um, that, that, as I say, that woke me up. That woke me up. I want to bring in my next guest because, um, well, not only did he used to be the play-by-play guy for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders, but he still works and broadcasts and lives in the Green Province, where you will find the beating heartbeat of the CFL. There is no place that cares about the league more deeply than those who cheer for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. I know Ticat fans, you may be second, but you can't argue it. Uh, Rod Peterson is host of the Rod Peterson Show. He is a, as I say, former play guy, play-by-play guy for the Rough Riders. He joins us now. Rod, how are you today? Out. Standing, Boo Radley. Well, I saw this and uh, it took me a few seconds. And my first thought was, is this really, well, first, we don't know exactly what it is, but is this really a good idea? Is this really a good idea, Rod? Oh, well, I've only been praying for it for 20 years, Scott. So, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think Why? That because. Let's be honest with you. I think we've all learned a lot of things in the pandemic. But one thing the public has learned for sure is that the Canadian Football League is not a wealthy business. And they've been living hand to mouth for too long. They were a flickering candle in good times. And the pandemic has snuffed out that candle. There's no money in the Canadian Football League right now. And it took a pandemic for us to get to where we are today. I've seen the emails that have gone out from the teams to their season ticket holders from the team presidents saying that they're investigating a collaboration with the, from, with the XFL, but it doesn't affect this season. I'm not sure what that necessarily means. But in 2001, when I had a lot of friends playing in the XFL, Paul McCallum comes to mind. I said, we should merge with them. They got eight teams. We got eight teams. It's a perfect alignment. Uh, I faced the firing squad then Scott, and that was before Twitter and Facebook. <laughs> so I knew there was passion for this topic then. And now here we are. It's taken a pandemic for the CFL to open their open their minds 
to partnering with the XFL. The difference was back then it was Vince McMahon. And I remember a lot of people saying Vince McMahon owned the XFL. And people said, we don't want any part of Vince McMahon. Now it's The Rock. Who is- yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 let me let me go through a few of the things, though. And, and you've heard this today. I mean, you did a show. I, I was watching your show today. It was great. You covered this. So you, you've been down this road. You, you're prepared for all these answers, I'm sure. But <laughs> all the things that people today had to say. Let's start with the first one, the obvious one. Um, we all remember the abundantly disastrous American expansion of the 90s that the CFL embarked upon and how horribly that went. And at the time when that ended and the CFL was clinging to life and retreating back to its homeland, everyone said, well, we learned we're never going to do that again. Why would we want to do that again? Well, this is completely different from that. And, you know, we all remember the era. You and I are old enough, and a lot of your listeners right now probably. It was, I felt it was fun. I mean, I was a fan of the league at the time. And I remember here in Saskatchewan, there was a buzz in town when the Sacramento Gold Miners came and quarterback David Archer or the Birmingham Barracudas and Matt Dunnigan. There was some excitement there. And because of mismanagement, it all fell apart. I think the CFL then was a lot different than the CFL is now in good times. The CFL is back on its knees again financially. Mm. So I don't, I don't, I don't like the comparison what we're looking at here compared to the '90s CFL because to me they're apples and oranges. And to be honest, to talk about a collaboration, I don't even think there's a point, Scott, if we're not talking about an all-out merger. And I'm talking well, yeah. Teams in- yeah, if we're talking 10 teams in Canada and let's throw in the Atlantic schooners, now would be the time. And 10 teams in the XFL, and I'm sorry, but we're going to have to go to smaller fields. Well, let's amalgamate the rules because they've got funky rules. We've got funky rules. Let's sit down in a boardroom and, and bring those rules together. And we can't be playing separate rules depending on the border. No, you this can't. Is, this, you can't. No, no, you can't. And it, but, now. 90s CFL, I'm sorry, but the ratio didn't exist for those American teams because it violated American antitrust laws to have 40% of your roster be Canadian. So we're not going to try that again. So we got to abolish the ratio. Um, Mm. I think this ends up in a merger, and Dave Naylor said as much today on Twitter. Well, let's, okay, so Randy Ambrosi told Dan Barnes of the Sun Chain, and here's this quote, where this goes, we don't know. It's a conversation. It's an exploration as I said, it's about possibility and potential, and together we're going to walk down this road and explore together. I, I halfway expect a, a choir to start singing that that Coke song from the 1970s when he starts talking like this. Um, but you do not put out a press release, both you and the XFL, if you are merely at the very beginning point of this exploration and discussion. They, they are way down the road if you're putting out a press release. I think so, but I was disheartened near the end of my show when this dropped on Twitter from Matthew Shinetti that the Players Association hadn't even been consulted on this. Stunning. That, stunning. Stunning. I mean, I want to be a CFL supporter and fan, obviously. How do you how do you blindside your players on this? Uh well, I mean, I suppose the only answer possible there is we didn't want this to leak out, and if we told the player, somebody would leak it. But it's out now, and you don't have a deal. So you, it, you, you like, I, I, this is not the first time the Players Association in recent years has a, has claimed they've been blindsided by stuff. You would think they would have learned 
not to do that because it goes better if the players are on board with you. Go back to the Ambrosi's request for the $150 million to the government that the players said they weren't involved in those discussions, right? I mean, it's, it's when do you learn? You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Okay, Rod, so uh, the, the, the suspicion is, and I think you've alluded to it even as we've been talking here, the suspicion is in many corners this discussion is the result of the CFL being now in dire financial state straits and needs to find a partner because of what's been happening. Although there's a story from Three Down Nation from Wade Miller, the CEO of the Blue Bombers, who says it's this partnership, this talk of a partnership is not due to CFL's financial struggles. This has to be to do with the financial situation, right? <laughs> well, of course. Of course it is. I'm, honestly, I love Wade. He's the president of the reigning Grey Cup champions. He's probably the president I respect the most in the Canadian Football League. But, I mean, come on. There's no other reason to do this. No. And I'm talking to people on every team. I know how bad that it is in the layoffs and in the league office. It, it's it's horrible. And, listen, I've been on your show many times extolling the virtues of Randy Ambrosi. I'm a fan. I think Randy is an honest man. He came on my show and said he approached Roger Goodell about a potential partnership. This was Grey Cup Unite week, okay, Scott? So, like, third week of November. And Goodell told him, no, you guys need to find a way to be a self-sustained entity. Well, he was kicking tires on the NFL back then. And, and, and now here we are. They can't be a self-sustaining entity, certainly not in this environment. So that's why I, I applaud the move and go back to the fact I've been waiting for this to happen for 20 years. But, it's you know, it's fun. I know you're a CFL fan. While we were in the break, I was surfing Twitter, and there was a talk host here in Regina saying that, well, they should play in their league and we'll play in our league and they should merge and uh, play a championship game. Why, why would you do that? If it's not a full outright interlocking schedule, what is the point? You just can't take the good things about The Rock and his marketing vehicle abilities and steal it. It needs to yeah. be one league. And I'll, I'll go one further because I was literally, I had to hang up on a podcast in New, New York that I was on just before you called. And they said the XFL has a bad brand and image in America because it's folded twice. So I kind of took this, and that's the truth, Scott. So I, I'm saying let's amalgamate the two, call it the Continental Football League. It's still the CFL. We don't have to change any logos. And it's a rebrand for both leagues. Yeah, and the, and the idea of having the two leagues and they just play each other in the championship, it was back in 61, the Ticats played against the Buffalo Bills, and I honestly can't remember the outcome, but uh, you know that didn't really catch on. It was a one-off. One and I mean, so the, the other concern, okay, we were talking about some of the concerns here. We talked about the idea that um, you're going to have uh, the American expansion, which, you know, is a problem. Um, the idea that uh, rules, I mean, what, what about the rules? A lot of people are saying, Rod, that if you go down this road, there's no way that the XFL people are going to absorb all the CFL rules. Whether they would or wouldn't, the expectation or the belief is they wouldn't. And if the CFL gives up its rules, it's essentially giving up its soul and you have kind of saved the patient by killing the patient. Oh, yeah, yeah. What do they cut off the leg to save the body thing? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I get that concept, Scott, but I have to say this. Four years ago, I remember talking to a CFL CFO, and he said the number one concern in this league, and it was four years ago, 
is declining ticket sales. Yep. Yep. My thinking on this is the CFL's been shrinking. And I'll say it again. This was in good times. CFL's in way better shape or was before the pandemic than it was in the 90s. So the people that love the CFL, I agree. I love it too. But it wasn't trending in the right direction. There, It's been shrinking. That love for the CFL has not saved the league. And I True think enough. This True enough. This put, and this potential merger here right now will save the Canadian Football League. I, I admire and I get people being upset. They don't want to see the loss of the Canadian game. But we're in the position that we're in as a league. What Your love for the CFL hasn't saved it. That's all I'll say on that. Yeah, so I mean, better to uh, better to walk around or not walk around. Better to not be able to walk around with no legs because they were amputated, but save the patient than to not save the legs and let the patient die. I mean, I look, I that, there's some sense to that as well, even though it is a painful thought for a lot of people. Last thing, we only have a minute or so left here. Um, the one other big issue with this that would have to get sorted out: the XFL was scheduled to play spring football. The CFL plays summer football, which overlaps into the fall. So it goes head to head with the NFL. There is no American football league dumb enough to try and go head to head with the NFL. Even the USFL back when it had all those billionaires as owners said, we're not playing head to head with the NFL. We're going to go in the spring. You can't, how, how do you solve that one? Because if you're going to play in the States, you can't go against the NFL, but you can't play Canadian football in February either. No, you can't, but you can play in March. Look outside, Scott. It's it's melting here. So instead of chilly temperatures at the end of the season, maybe you have chilly temp- temperatures in training camp. And I, I know we're short on time here, but when I had the concept of NFL Canada, I was talking about that back when the pandemic began. There was a lot of football coaches on this continent that agreed. They said there was NFL Europe. It played in a spring league. If the CFL started its season in March or even training camp, you could get your six-month season in, and maybe we're hitting the playoffs in September, October. But you know, and that is against the NFL. But that's the most exciting time. I think it can work if, if as you say, as you're even saying that, Rod. And and you know, it's an interesting idea. Would we? Would the Grey Cup celebration be any worse if it was on Labor Day weekend? I'm not not entirely sure. That would not be a giant brilliant idea that you stumbled onto. Well, I'm not just a pretty face, buddy. <laughs> no, but you can see Rod's pretty face. He is—he has the Rod Peterson show that you can find online. I found it online today. It didn't take long to find it. You type in Rod Peterson, and there he is every day talking sports uh, from Regina. Rod, always appreciate having you on. Thanks for taking a few minutes today. Call anytime, Scott. I appreciate it. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Hands up, all of you out there, if you never, ever watch HGTV. All right, seeing none, we shall continue. Everybody watches HGTV these days. I Somewhere along the way, we have, as a society, developed a full-blown fascination with buying homes and selling homes and decorating homes and building gigantic pools and doing crazy landscaping and looking into other people's homes and renovating homes. Of course, renovating homes, which brings me to my next guests, uh, the renovating part. If you tune in to HGTV tonight at 10... You will meet Carolyn Wilbrink and Billy Pearson. They are brother and sister from here in Hamilton, watered down originally, but now in Hamilton. And they are also the hosts of a show called Farmhouse Facelift. Some of you are now confused. You're thinking, wait, doesn't Farmhouse Facelift come on right after 
Dr. Pimple Popper on TLC. No, no, different thing altogether. Farmhouse Facelift. It's a home reno show, farmhouses, and it's amazing. The stuff that is done to these, in some cases, run down, but needing work out of date farmhouses. It is amazing, as are all these decorating and amazing shows on HGTV. Carolyn and Billy. Well, Billy, we just lost them, but Carolyn joins me now. We'll get Billy in just a second. Carolyn, thanks for doing this today. Very much appreciate it. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you so much for having us. Well, you know, listen, we're excited anytime. As I said, everybody watches this and then you see people from Hamilton who make it and you go, wow, that's, uh, that's terrific. Maybe, um, maybe I could, but then I realized, no, I'm neither handy nor stylish, so I can't do either. <laughs> yeah, this is um, definitely very surreal for us that this has even happened. Um, nothing that we ever expected. We never in a million years thought we would have our own TV show. Um, I wish Billy could answer as well, but <laughs> I don't know what happened there. We're just getting it back. But so we're going to live vicariously through you guys, because as I say, we can't do these things. And and I must say, just as we get into this too, um, my wife was very, very disappointed that COVID was here because she wanted you to come and do the interview at our house. So while we were doing the interview, you could redecorate everything for us because not only do you do great work as we've seen, but it's amazing that you're able to do all that work and redo an entire house in an hour. That is a remarkable <laughs> skill that you have. I am very skilled. Highly skilled. <laughs> <laughs> you should see what I can do in a half an hour. No, <laughs> that's right. Even in two hours, that give me more time. Um, yeah, no, it's uh, it's definitely it's fun. I love doing what we're doing, um, and it it absolutely comes natural to us. Um, but yeah, this is it's so crazy that we have our own show and farmhouse facelift definitely showcases what we're best at and um, our passion for farmhouses and century homes. And it has been um, quite the last 18 months of our life to get through all of this. Well, let's, I, I want to get to that in just a second, but, but before we get into all you do, mm-hmm. you, you've, you obviously, I'm guessing you must've watched HGTV even before you had your own show. Oh, Why? Why do people love watching shows like this? They obviously do. What is it about these shows that really grabs people? Oh my gosh, you're going to ask me. A I, I Honestly, I just think like, first of all, I watched them for the reveals because I just want to see like what it was and now what it could, like what it, what it is, right? Like what it is now. And that's why I love to watch it. And I think there's a lot of people out there that, um, get fantastic ideas from watching these shows, mm. right? Like, I mean, for example, like Joanna Gaines started the whole shiplap trend. So like she blew up the shiplap world, right? Um, and so many people follow trends from a lot of these shows. And I, I just, I love watching it. This is very relaxing to watch for me. So I just like- It is. Back. Yeah. Well, it, it, it is to watch it, not to do it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, no, but, but... definitely. Uh, it's definitely a lot more work to do it. Yeah. <laughs> See, at one point, I thought to myself, the appeal might be because, and I wasn't joking when I said I'm not handy. I thought maybe part of the appeal is that people watching say, well, I know I can't do that. And so it's kind of impossible. And it's fun to see someone do something I know I could never achieve. But I I can't change a carburetor, but I have no interest in watching someone do that or do an oil change in a car. There's something about a house, I think, and I don't know what, but there's something about a house that makes makes it more intriguing. Yeah, I know. I don't know what it is. I actually enjoy watching car shows, so <laughs> mm. so I I can't I can't agree with you on that point. But um, for a house, I guess it, I really just for me personally, I really like I said, I just love seeing the before and the after, and just seeing like what it took to get to that 
to that point, right? Um, and I think there is a lot of people out there, like yourself maybe, um, that like maybe can't do those things. So they really enjoy seeing someone else do it. And yeah. Would, would you rather, uh, so, I mean, you do farmhouses, that's your, your niche, your area, the thing that yeah. you've become very well known for. Would you rather work, would you rather get called in to work on a house that's an absolute rundown dump that needs a complete redo? Or would you rather go in with something that's got some form and some style and just needs to have a bit of a tweak? No, full gut redo. Why? I love it. Because you can start from scratch. Because I would much rather pull, like, for myself personally, and I'm doing it right now, um, I would much rather be able to strip everything out to the walls. Not in a farmhouse, in, if it was just in a regular house, but it, then I can just completely put my own spin on it. When I go in and it's just kind of like what you said, uh, you can just fix things up and, and have a kind of a quick turnaround, that's not as much fun because you can get so much more creative um, when you pull everything out. We have finally solved our technical glitches and Billy Pearson, Carolyn's brother, joins us. Billy, thanks for doing this tonight. Hey, sorry about that. I, I was on and then the phone dropped and I don't know what happened. <laughs> no problem. Uh, while you were off, Carolyn took all the credit and said she drove all the everything with your partnership and really it was all her. So well, you can you know, Rightfully so. She, yep, that is, that is, uh, <laughs> she should deserve all the credit. No, no, no. She said <laughs> nothing of the kind. No, um, I think he's trying but, to start a sibling rift or something. No, it, no not you know at what? all. I, a new little line of conflict for the show. Um, no, Billy, we were just talking about the, the idea of, of this whole thing and why people are fascinated by the whole HGTV thing and watching people do what you guys are doing. And and everybody, I guess every show has its thing. Every every show has its niche. You guys do farmhouses. Why farmhouses? What What is the interest there for that for you? For me, farmhouse, yeah. like, I don't know what Carolyn said already, but uh, like our, our grandparents had a beautiful farmhouse. And I think that's kind of where... You know, I fell in love with them. I just love everything about the history, how, you know, thinking about how many families have lived in that home or like all the things that house has lived through, all the technology it's seen come and go. Or I just like it. It's like it's like working on a piece of history. And I just love being able to restore that and, you know, make it beautiful again. We, we, I want to get into the show part of this because it's, I think it's a very, it's a fascinating thing to people. Cause I was joking before you got on Billy with, with Carolyn that like you guys do this all in an hour, which is an amazing bit of work that, uh, um, but how do you, how does one even get an HGTV show? That, that was something that a lot of people said to me when I said that you were going to be on the show today. They said, how do you even get that? How, yeah. how did you stumble into this? I Carolyn deserves the credit for that because I mean she was posting everything from our the first reno that we did it uh, for her and her family. She posted everything on Instagram and um, as, along with other things. And a company, a production company in LA, started following her, and then they reached out to her and they found out that we were brother and sister team that did this. And then they they wanted to arrange a Skype interview. I told her I thought it was a scam. I said, there's no, there's no way this is real. I, I didn't want to do it. And, uh, like, long story short, we did a Skype interview with them. Um, I think a year went by, or just yeah. under a year, and uh, they called us and said, we want to shoot a sizzle, which is kind of like a trailer for what a show would look like. And uh, then they used that trailer to sell to HGTV. 
And, uh, yeah, the rest, the rest is history. Is history. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so, Carolyn, when you when you are doing a show now, um, yeah. let's go through some of the stuff. Let's let's find out how the sausage is made here because we only, I say, we only, and I was joking, obviously, but we only see the one hour. Yeah. Do you guys get any say in what farmhouses you're going to do or are you presented with each farmhouse and said you're doing this one next? Uh, no, so it all goes through a casting director to start off. And then Billy and I do go through the home. We meet with all the homeowners and um, we make sure that like their budget is in align, alignment with what actually needs to be done. And there, there were a few houses that unfortunately it just didn't, they didn't work out for like what was actually needed. There was more work uh, behind the walls that was needed and the budget didn't really work out for what they wanted to be done. And there's um, also a timeline too, right, Carolyn? Yeah. We also have to have everything done. Like we need to shoot within like 12 weeks for each house. Um, and, but yeah, like that's how we go about doing it. And uh, I, we, we pretty much do get the final say on which ones we want to do. Do you have complete say in what you want to do with the property as far as rebuild and design? Is that entirely within your control? I, yeah, pretty much. I mean, there's been, there has been, um, like certain houses we did go into that, um, you know, had a space that looked like it was a farmhouse, but the renovation had been done 15 years ago. And we're like, yeah. we can't make this work, but we could go or, and do a renovation upstairs and, and, you know, like the principal bedroom and the ensuite that might work better for what, you know, for the show. Um, but we do have final say and all the design and construction so but just to add to that though like it obviously they are still the homeowners home so they still can you know veto an idea or mm-hmm. you know we had we had one house that i won't say what episode it is but they really wanted to maintain the ceiling they didn't want us to touch the ceiling so we have to work around that to some degree mm-hmm. like we don't oh we yeah don't yeah surprise, we, definitely... we don't surprise the homeowners with anything like some of these shows like so they no. come in and they cry because they hate it or you know <laughs> <laughs> We yeah, that's that's probably for the best. Yeah, yeah, and we definitely work with the homeowners like through like from the beginning, and then they do leave. They do like we do our job, and then they come back, and it is a full reveal. Like these people have never seen their home, like in the last ten weeks or twelve weeks. So but, that's not acting. That's that's legit. That's oh, legit. legit. Yeah. When I told, there was another thing when I told people that you were coming on, literally every single person asked me this question. So I figure it was probably of interest to a lot of people. There must be a lot of other people wondering who pays for this. Do the homeowners pay entirely for the budget of the repairs or does HGTV chip in a bunch or is there a combination or is it, as I say, is it entirely when they say how much the renovation is, is that really how much the homeowners are paying? Carolyn, you want to answer that? Do you want me to? You can answer it. So, so basically the homeowner pays for the labor and we, we have a team on our production side that uh, works their hardest to get as much free stuff as possible so that, so that the homeowners are just paying for labor and they'll get, you know, we'll try and get them free appliances, free countertops, uh, really, really uh, discounted kitchens or free kitchens. I mean, if we could do, but there's, there's benefits to being on the show because you get a lot more bang for your buck. Well, and, and, you know, we know that when we watch your show or other shows, it's not just the two of you, you're the faces of it, but there are other people in your crew who are helping. You could never get it done otherwise, but it, but it is your face and your name. And I, I know you have businesses on the side that, you know, people are calling you up now. It has to be a huge amount of pressure that every single time you do one of these, 
you have to create something amazing because your face is right out there. And if it's horrible, they're going to know it's you. Well, thanks. I hope that they're all really great. <laughs> you just but, like put so much pressure on me there just to think about that. No, you know what? You're absolutely right. But Billy and I both, um, and everybody that has worked with us on the show, they all know that our standards are incredibly high and we hold ourselves to those standards. So we really, I don't want to put my name behind anything that isn't like, right, Billy? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and there has been some stressful times on, because like you say, we do have, uh, there's people in the crew that, that are also working on these houses. So, I mean, there's been times where we've, uh, we've had to stay late to change things or correct things. And just because we do think like that, it is our face on it and we want it to represent us and, and really impress the homeowner, you know? Are you both perfectionists? When you when you finish a project, <laughs> do you look at the thing and go, man, that is just magnificent. I can't believe how wonderful we are. Or do you oh. find little tiny flaws that no one else could ever possibly see and go, oh, man, that's, that's, that's I, me. That's, that's me. you? <laughs> I'm a perfectionist with, to a fault, and it's just uh, – it can be hard on you, like I think. But, uh, you know, I was just going to say, anybody and any of our crew, like even on the days of like our reveal days, I will be walking around and like – fluffing every pillow and every blanket and they're like it's fine it's fine i'm like no it's not fine i want them to like i want everything to be perfect when they walk in and they just laugh like they just everybody thinks it's hilarious but that we're both like that billy in the construction side of things and then i'm on like the final all those little final details like i'll move canisters and just like position <laughs> i don't know well, maybe and- that'll change in second season <laughs> Yeah, she'll well, walk around and, and, tweaking things all day long. Yeah. <laughs> well, and the pressure, the pressure again, not to, again, not to pile on more pressure, but I mean, it's we, people. I think I'm sure that if people say we want you to come in and do our house, they have very high expectations too. So we got TV people coming in to do this. We got HGTV people coming in to do our place, and it seems as though right now, Carolyn especially. I mean, it seems as though right now there is a very definite style that is if you watch the channel at all, that is very favored. It is the country style. You mentioned Joanna Gaines. I mean, that seems, there is this feel that you have to somehow, I guess, do what we've all seen on TV all these times. Mm, I try not to follow too many trends. And I have to be honest with you, when we go into the home, we always try to pull back to the era of the home. Like I let that kind of, dictate how I really want to design and the functionality of the entire home as well. Like however my design works out, it always kind of pulled back to what would that home have looked like? How would they have used it back then? Um, I definitely try to incorporate quite a bit more color than is typical right now um, and pattern. And I'm all about kind of like that grand millennial trend that is going on right now because I do love like the country um, floral and I do love wallpaper and we use so much wallpaper in the in the show and um, I'm all I'm like a, I'm a sucker for classics like marble and and just whenever I can use it I do so I try to I try to stay away from the trends as much as possible I think you should get you should get ahead of the new fashion trend the new curve and go back. You should be the one to reintroduce orange deep shag carpets into oh farmhouses. <laughs> that, you know, really stand out from the rest of the crowd nope, with something. Nope, nope, nope. 
like a nice deep <laughs> rusty color. <laughs> exactly with with Brady Bunch green countertops, that avocado oh. green orange countertop. You know that. Lucky, yeah. lucky for us, all of our houses are are well past that. Like our old, way older than that. <laughs> uh, do you have now? I know COVID is on. We only have a couple minutes left here. I know that COVID has. You know, you don't have people coming into your own homes and guests and stuff. But now that. First of all, knowing what you do, but also knowing you're now on TV, mm-hmm. uh, do, do people come when they do come to your house? And do you find that they're now like really expecting something amazing in your like your house must be the castle then because you're the ah. you're the people, right? You're so the ones. Our our last farmhouse, the farmhouse that we were found doing, um, that was spectacular. So it, it's in quite a few magazines, and it was absolutely fantastic. But um, we actually sold that home because we wanted to get closer to Burlington for the, our family. So that was in Burford. And um, we bought, an- my husband and I bought another farmhouse and it needs to be renovated. So there is nothing spectacular. <laughs> and my house is a work in progress. So <laughs> we don't have time because we're doing everyone else's. I bet. I bet. Well, and Billy, how many friends are now reaching out that you're on TV and you're Mr. Famous now? And they're all going, oh, Billy, I have this small project when you get a minute. I could really use a oh, hand. Yeah. I've got a few of those on Instagram and Facebook right now. And I'm thinking, how do I answer these and not, not sound rude? Well, yeah, but we'll we're put the, so busy. Yeah, was, I bet. I bet. Never know what I bet. How, what is your season? We got to go. But what is your? You said it takes twelve weeks, roughly, Carolyn, to do one of these. How many do you do? I mean, are you just rolling one right into the next, into the next, or is there any time off? No. So there's ten. Yeah. So there's ten houses, and we literally just worked like straight. And obviously, with COVID, we had to shut down everything, and then we went back when um, we were allowed with all the proper protocols and everything else. But if you've got 10 going at once and it takes 12 weeks, oh, no, are you no, no, doing not 10 going at once? We do uh, the first two, like the, the first two episodes so last week and tonight that was in Paris. The first one was in Paris. The second one was in Canning. So they were 10 minutes apart. So we worked on those at the exact same time. Wow. And then we kind of group them in like within like kind of a 25 to a half an hour radius of each other. So then we would do kind of two at a time and, and how it went that way. And that's kind of another thing that affects how you get on the show too. They like to they like to try and find houses in the same areas so that you can do that. So we can work on them all at the same time and mm-hmm. or three of them at the same time and then film as well. I have no idea how you would I I mean again, most people if they are doing renovations can't keep up with what they're doing in their own house, let alone <laughs> more than one house at the same time. That is uh that that would make your head spin. Uh, the show is called Farmhouse Facelift. It is on at 10 p.m. tonight. So after listening now, uh, stay up until 10 at least and tune into HGTV and you can see Carolyn and you can see Billy doing their thing. Uh, guys, listen, I really appreciate you doing this. It's a lot of fun. And uh, as I say, Thank you. Uh, there's, there's nobody I know who doesn't watch HGTV. Now, I don't know when it became the channel, but it apparently is. And I uh, really appreciate you coming on and talking about this. Well, thanks Thank for having us. Thank you so us. much. Thanks, Scott. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us. Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.